This, this, this is Biz Owners Ed, where you'll learn how to start, grow, and scale your business with teachings from some of the most successful and high-volume entrepreneurs. Connect with us today at bizownersed.com. Now, let's make it happen. John Kuhn Miller, thanks so much for joining us today. We heard from you this year at Biz Ed. What a great speech that was. You spoke at the last day of Biz Owners Ed, and, and man, it was awesome. Everybody loved that speech. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And that's also on our podcast, too. So anybody that hasn't heard that, go back and listen to it. It's, it's a really great talk that talked about the whole year of Biz Ed and everything that was learned, and we really enjoyed it. So Freedom Park is your company. Yep. Freedom Park Airport Valet Service, the most convenient way to start and end your travel experience at DFW Airport. One of the things I love about your company is that you basically are the first thing that somebody meets when they walk into an airport and when they leave the airport. Sure. And so you give people the ability to basically drive their car up to the gate. You take their car. When they're on their trip, you can wash it, service it, pick up their dry cleaning, basically any service they need, right? Yeah, anything they ask. And then when they come back, you organize getting their car to the proper gate wherever they land. Correct. It's, uh, and it's their waiting when they show up. Okay. That's the big key service. It's their waiting when yeah. they show up. I love that. And they're always there to take your bags and, and walk you to your car. Yep. It's such a great service. So, I, I mean, I've used it definitely less than many people because I don't fly too much, but probably a hundred times or so. Yeah. And I love it. Thank it's, you. it's so simple. Thank you. It's so much more efficient than trying to track down your car yeah. in an airport parking lot, or even I think it's easier than taking an Uber. Sure. So Freedom Park's a family business. Correct. Take me back to the beginning of that. I want to yeah. learn about where it started, how it started. Yeah. So my dad is the founder and had the original idea for it. And so he originally started a courier company in Dallas-Fort Worth called Wingtip Couriers. If you had an office in downtown Dallas in the 80s, you probably used them. And so he started that in the early 80s, built it up and sold it to a company called ACS. And he's he's just always had a knack for customer service and also kind of building a culture around customer service and then leveraging technology to really create a different customer service experience. In fact, he was the first first career company in the United States to actually put computers into cars or into trucks. Oh, wow. So what you and I can do on our iPhone right now, right. you know, in the late eighties, you know, that wasn't happening. Didn't exist. It didn't exist. And so he sold that company and then he was doing some consulting and he had a buddy that wanted to start a sedan service, taking people to and from the airport. Okay. And so my dad told him, he said, Hey, here's what I'll do. I'm not going to commit to coming on, but what I will commit to do is that he said, I'm going to drive a sedan for a month. Hmm. He wanted to understand the customer's experience and also the frontline workers experience. And he said, Hey, if I can bring value and we can do something different hmm. at the end of that month then I'm in. Okay. And so it wasn't a week that he was into driving a sedan with people to and from the airport that he said every every customer he drove told him two things. One was they love the convenience of the sedan because it picks them up and drops them off right at their gate. They don't have to park. They don't have to worry about somebody else driving them to the wrong spot. They're always picked up and, and, and dropped off right at the gate. But the one thing they didn't like is, is they didn't have their own car. 
and they hmm. never really felt like they were home until they were on their own vehicle. Their own car. So they're coming home and they want to go to dinner with their wife, but they got to go back to the office and get their car first. Hmm. So my dad went to his would-be partner and said, hey, scratch this idea. We got to figure out how to give people the convenience of a sedan service, but let them do it in their own car. Hmm. And his partner said, that's crazy. It'll never work. There's too many meet and greet places, entry and exit points into the airport. The airport's too big. And so my dad said, well, you say I can't do it. I'm going to go do it. Yeah, let's try. Yeah. So he went to DFW airport, pitched the same idea. And they said, hey, we've tried valet parking out at the airport twice. Both times it failed. And he said, well, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do reservation valet parking. I'm going to let people make a reservation so we can Mm -hmm. track their flights. We can, we know where they're going to be and we're going to meet them where they need to be. We're not going to make them come to us. And this was 99, 2000. And there was no airport valet parking of any kind in the United States at this time. So DFW airport said, listen, if you want to try it, go ahead. And so he started to put the business model together, develop the technology to track flights and move valets around the airport. And in 2001, March March 12, 2001, we launched this valet parking service based on reservations that had never happened before. There was, I'm trying to think, there was five of us there on that first day. I remember because wow. we, we had a hot dog cookout in the parking lot <laughs> and, you know, talked about all these big ideas we had for what this thing could be. And so what was that like, you know, day one of the launch? Did it pick up traction right away or did it take a while for people to catch on? No, it didn't. So... A couple of things. One, you know, we he had some customers from the courier company business that we kind of pitched it to. Arthur Anderson, which was a big firm that's no longer in existence, mm-hmm. and some other companies. And so we had a little bit of business from that, but 9-11 happened. Mm. So we're six months into a brand new business venture completely dependent upon air travel. And we have Shut ter- down. we have the terrorist attacks. And so I remember it was right before the first year, it was right before I went back to school for a little bit. I'd worked through the summer, really just doing valeting, dispatching, doing everything. And we're sitting on, on the lot and looking up in the sky and there's no airplanes. Hmm. So it was pretty scary at first. Imagine. It, it, t- it took a little bit of grit and a little, a little while to get it going. So, and remind me again, how many months in was that? We started in March and that happened in September. So what's okay. that, five, six months? Wow. Yeah. So that's got to be a scary thing. Brand new business. Yep. And then, so did you guys totally shut down or what, what happened? So we thought about it. The idea was we had an original investor who had invested into the business and we we thought about just giving him his money back and just saying, hey, this was a great idea, but this is going to take too long to recover. Mm. And the money that he had given us was earmarked for marketing to okay. grow the business. We decided that what we were going to do was we were going to keep our people on, keep our facility, keep our technology and pay everybody and keep the doors open because we thought that when it did come back, it would take off. And okay. so, so And it did? It did. Wow. Yeah. And, and so how many employees do you guys have now? We were right around 400. Wow. Yeah, 400, 405, somewhere in there. And is it only DFW or are you in other airports now too? So we're also at Phoenix Sky Harbor okay. Airport and we got two others that were actively trying to get into. That's great. Is it difficult to, you know, I imagine back when you guys started, it was probably a little bit easier to get going at an airport. Is it harder now to kind of like, I imagine it's harder to get them to let you do something like this at a new airport. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Everybody, you know, I have people all the time that ask me, why don't you just go to this airport? Why don't you go to that airport? And probably one of the most difficult things is, is each airport is run differently. Mm-hmm. Some are their own authority. Some are owned by the city. Right. There's all kinds of rules and regulations. So yeah, getting into an airport is not as simple as, Hey, we're just going to go open. We're going to go start. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Which I imagine there's a lot of credentialing that has to happen and, and things like that. Yeah, a lot of it just revolves around getting the, the permits or permissions to do it. And so they want to know well, where are the customers going to be? Where are you going to meet them? What kind of airport resources? Hmm. And then the biggest one is, is what kind of cut? Right. Are they going to get? Are they going to get? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've been in this since 2001. Yep. What, what were you doing before that? So I was at Texas A&M. Okay. I was back on spring break when we launched in March. Okay. Went back to school, came back for the summer, and then I actually joined the Marine Corps Reserve. Oh, wow. So the first year of the business, really, I was out in California doing basic training and wow. infantry school and some of that. I didn't know that. I was kind of doing that thing. And then just really, the first year, just kind of helping my dad out as, as I was in town. Okay. Yeah. Were you always encouraged to go into that family business or did your parents kind of say, Hey, go do some other things, go try it out. Or was it always just, Hey, you're going to work here. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you know, most people think when you have a family business, the idea was, is is dad's going to start a business. Son's going to take it over. Right. That was not the case in my family. My dad had no intention of us having any long-term part in the business. business. Um, In fact, the first couple of years, I think he kept me and my friends around just because we would do anything you know, for peanuts that he right. told, told us to do. But that kind of changed. We, we, when he first started, we had one manager, a great lady named Tara, who besides my dad was really the only non-frontline worker. And I got really interested in it really early and did every job that you could possibly do whenever we needed to do it. And I attached myself to her and just really, mm-hmm. I really learned from her in the beginning. And then when she left, he had to hire somebody to help help him run the business. And so I interviewed, he said, anybody who's been in the company for six months could interview, 10 of us interviewed. And he came out with a dilemma because he said I was the best interview, but he didn't want me to have anything to do with the business. <laughs> right. So he actually devised this plan to let me down early. He really? Let, he let everybody in the company blind ballot vote huh. who they wanted to be the next manager. And he was convinced that he could let me down softly by saying, right. you weren't, you weren't, you weren't picked, but I had built up some equity with the people in the company and they knew I worked hard. And I actually got voted. And they picked you. And they picked me. And so he called me over to his house on a random Saturday. He said, well, I guess you better go get a new wardrobe. Wow. And that's how I knew I got Was the, that exciting? That was a manager job. Yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting until I showed up the next day and then realized how much my dad was going to work me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you had to run this it thing was, now. It was, it was a lot of work, yeah. So the wow. intention was never to have us be involved in the business. But I think once he saw that we had a passion for it, I think that's the key thing is yeah. that you had a passion for it, yeah, which makes a big difference. I also like how it was important for you to do every job yeah. inside the business. I think a lot yeah. of people get into something and they don't they don't want to do every job. Yeah, I mean, do you think that that's uh, well? Obviously, it's given you a lot of of credibility and being able to manage your team, having done yeah. every single job in the business. Yeah, I really do think that's key. I mean, even even now, I have kids of my own, and and they know that dad's the president of the company, and they want to ask about how do you become that? How do you get that role? And I explained to them, you don't start there. Yeah. And so I think it helps you make better decisions. I think it helps you understand your people better. And for me, I genuinely wanted to learn and understand how this whole engine worked together. Hmm. And so I did everything. I mean, overnight dispatching, car washer. Uh, you did it all. Did it all. When you yeah. were just, when you were first starting and you were chosen to that role, yeah. did you have, kind of a, your own long-term vision of this company away from, from what your dad had, or were you guys headed in the same direction or did you have something even bigger and better planned? No, I think, you know, I think we were headed in a little bit different direction. I think my dad's idea always was, I'm going to 
build this thing for five to seven years and then sell it. So even when I took over, hmm. there was kind of two turning points. One was I got the opportunity to actually manage the business. Right. And then the second one came a couple of years later where he had to make a decision of either I'm going to sell this thing or I'm going to retire, semi-retire. I'm going to get out of the way right? and we're going to keep it. But we'll keep it, it going. But John's going to run it. And okay. so that's kind of how that transpired. Interesting. So, you know, I talked to a lot of people that, and we, we talked to a lot of people at yep. Visit this year that, that may have family business or they've started a business that they want to be a family business. Yeah. You know, obviously there, there can be some struggles with getting into business with your family members. Sure. What are some things that you would say are, are important to know going into that? Yeah. If the business is already built and you're, you're coming into it as yeah. a later generation. So I work with, well, my dad, like I said, is what he politely calls semi-retired. Okay. So he sits on his ranch and we write him a check. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he, he, he mentors us as we need, but we have my dad, but my brother's also involved. So okay. it really is a family wow. business. And so I think a couple of key things that I'll say it helps why it works well for us. I don't know this is universal, but what works well for us is all three of us really know our strengths and our lanes. And beyond that, we appreciate the fact that the other guy has a strength that maybe I don't. Right. So my dad is big idea, sees things down the road, mm. but also brings some business savvy and knows some of the pitfalls. I probably have a better strength of taking those ideas and figuring out how they're actually going to happen. Mm. And then my brother is just really, really gifted at the marketing side of things. He's really gifted at some of the proposal stuff that we do, um, some of the business development. And so we all know we do different things and we let each other do different things. Hmm. And we we try to stay kind of in our own lane. So I think that has helped us. And then I guess a piece of advice I would give to somebody who's thinking about being in a family business is make sure you run it like a business. Hmm. So when it comes to equity, when it comes to salary, compensation for each other, when it comes to how we use the assets, you know, for the business or personally, when I sit at the cross the table from my dad or my brother, I'm not thinking about that as my dad or my brother. I'm thinking about it as my business partner. I think, okay. we, I think we've been able to, to, separate, to separate the two. And so I think those are two things that have helped us make it work. I like that. So, I mean, a lot of humility. You have to have it. Goes into it, it yeah. seems. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What about, you know, cause w and we heard some stories this year in the class about people that are starting businesses with the intention already mm. of passing it down to their kid. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's a good idea. And I've seen this happen. I have a couple other friends who have family businesses or who've had family businesses. Okay. One of my best buddies, Matt Newton, who actually turned me on to biz owners. Oh, okay. He's done it well, but kind of the same thing. He had a passion for it and his dad wanted to transition out and he had a son who was really passionate about it and wanted to do it and it worked well. I've also had friends, a couple who dad wanted to have a family business, son didn't necessarily didn't want, want to have a family business. So I don't think you can go into a business with the idea, idea that that's what it's going to be. I think you have to go into it with the idea that I'm going to build a really good business and then if it so happens hmm. that it works out well for the family and the family wants to be involved in it, then so be it. Then go for it. But you can't start it and, and look at your nine-year-old and say, you're no. going to run this business one day. No. So I, I mean, I got <laughs> I got an 11-year-old boy, a nine-year-old boy, and a six-year-old girl, and I'm not sitting here telling them, hey, be ready to run the business. I'm saying, go chase your dreams. Well, that's a lot of pressure too. Sure. I mean, I know, I know people that 
feel tremendous pressure from yeah. their parents or other folks in their family who yeah. have basically said, hey, you're going to run this one day. Yeah. And they don't want to. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to do with it. it. Yeah. That's kind of how you crash a company. Yeah. I mean, that's the three generation yeah. mantra, you know, of, yeah. of crashing a business. So. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, you got to, and I think this is true of any business, you got to want to do it. And if you try to force somebody to do it or just give it to them, that's the other thing. I would never just give it, give it over. Yep. And kid graduates from college and now Here you go. he's the vice president of sales. That's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So, I want to know, and we talked a little bit about this before we started today, but we're in the time of, of a pandemic yeah. and you're in transportation. Yep. So talk a little bit about how the coronavirus has affected your sure. business. Humbling for sure. We were heading into really the best years that we've had right before this all hit. And so, you know, initially I just had to keep reminding myself that when things are really, really good, they're not always going to be that good. But also on the flip side, when things are really bad, they're not always going to be that bad. So for us, our core business, which is the parking out at airports at DFW and Sky Harbor, is following the same trends that you're seeing across the country. So, you know, we're operating, our transaction counts operating somewhere between 7 and 10% of what we would normally do. And so kind of the name of the game for us on our core business is survive. We've said it this way, survive in order to thrive. Hmm. It will come back. It's going to take a while to come back, but it will come back. And when it does... We want to make sure we're positioned to, to capitalize, to capitalize and really thrive in it and, mm -hmm. and even more differentiate ourselves. So I'd say that's focus number one. And focus number two is our people. I think one of the things that we've been able to do because we've just been blessed to have so many good people is create, honestly, a, a kind of a family atmosphere at Freedom Park. So we got a lot of people that worked with us for a long time that we want to make sure we take care of, mm -hmm. uh, that we want to make sure are able to pay their bills and put food on the table. So we're being creative about that. That's kind of focus number two. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is, is we're looking for opportunities to leverage the services we have in a different way. Hmm. So you and I have talked, we're talking about this earlier, but there's a big word out there, pivot. Right. And I understand it, but I hear it all. The Everybody time. said, Everybody it's said not it. a podcast unless you say pivot. pivot. Right. So there I said it. So now it's a podcast. <laughs> we don't want to pivot away from what we do well because we think it's going to come back. But what we want to do is look for opportunities to leverage what we have in different ways. Hmm. There's almost a point of adapting your business too much yeah. based on the times. Yeah. And then when it springs back, sure. you're in a completely different process sure. than, than what you need to be yeah. in. I think fear drives that, which mm. I think all of us are a little afraid. I mean, I'd be ridiculous if I didn't say there's nights I go to bed where I'm, man, what's going to happen? Right. But if you're too fearful, you may forfeit what you've built for the last 20 years. And I don't know that that's the wisest thing to do. So mm. we talked earlier about it's taught you and your business about efficiencies and, uh -huh. and running more efficiently. I think that's valid for so many businesses out sure. there. They're now learning, you know, that maybe there were some cracks in their system and their yeah. process. What are a couple things that you guys have learned that you've been able to kind of tighten up through this time? Yeah. So, man, there's a number of them. One of the very first things we did is looked at every single vendor that we use, everything that we purchase. And when times are good and you're flying high, you're probably just ordering and and going through the motions that you normally would with whoever you've done it with and not asking the question, you know, what's the cost of good soul here? What am I actually spending? Right. And so that was one of the first things that we did. And we found a number of a number of different places where we could have been a whole lot more cost effective with our vendors. You know, we looked at our payroll side 
So what positions that we have and where there's redundancies. And so what we did was we didn't, we didn't do that in order to replace anybody, but we were able to shift them into other roles that maybe we were thin in. And so we've, we've definitely done that. I think a situation like this that hits you that fast forces you to kind of look at everything. And I think it'll serve us well as we come back. I think we'll, we will operate a whole lot more cost effectively hmm. because of this. What are some things that you've set up now in case something like this ever happens again? Yeah. So I bet that's been a topic of conversation. Sure. Yeah. And, and even, and, and I don't think this will happen and I'm praying that it doesn't. We're watching the same news that everybody else is. But right. E- but even if a second wave were... Or something of any kind of tragedy sure. were to happen again. Sure. Sure. So one of the biggest things that I've been looking at is just our funding side. Hmm. We were lucky in that, and this is a principle that I've I really learned from my father. We were lucky in that we were not very leveraged going into this. Hmm. Um, and we really just didn't have any debt. So great. The last thing that we did that was really smart is we we bought the 20 acres that we operated on, we own it. And so we were in a good position going in. But because of that, we've also never built relationships in case we needed funding, hmm. right? Because we've just been able to do it ourselves. Right. So one of the big things that I've, try to pay attention to look at build relationships and understand what's out there is the funding side of things. Okay. So that if, if God forbid, there's another situation like this, we can keep the doors open as long as we need to in order to recover. Hmm. So that's, that's probably one thing that I've learned from this that I've spent some time doing. How do you all sell your product or your service? What does your sales process look like? Who do you target? How do you, so is yeah. it is it strictly individuals or do you guys go after company accounts or yeah that's a great question um so for the last 20 years really what we've focused on is the individual consumer and the reason for that is at the end of the day we are a the people who use us are really making their own decisions on how they want to get to and from the airport so they're the road warriors um, hmm. they're the executives so their companies might say, hey, we got a deal with this parking company, but nobody's telling them you have to use this parking company. Got it. They're, they're making the decision. They're making that decision. Right. And so what we learned early on is, is that when we would go to a corporation and say, hey, we want all your employees to use Freedom Park, we'll give you this great discount. They may promote us, but they're not. They're not going to say, do no, this. No. Hmm. And I mean, you know this just being in business yourself, there's there's no better sales tool than a referral. There's Mm -hmm. just not. And so if we can create an experience for an individual person that blows them away, that they've never had when they're going to and from the airport, that's going to sell a whole lot quicker. They're going to tell everybody about it. Yeah. And when they go tell them, they're not going to be saying, Hey, I got this at 50% off. Right. doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Such a great point. It's really interesting. And so how many clients do you guys have? So clients, we would, I mean, we would count that as individual customers. Okay. Individual customers that used us last year was right around 27,000. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And so I've heard you talk a bit about, I know you and Tim Shiner have done a little bit of work together. What are some of the new things that you guys have put into your process? Because I know you do the you do the the standard things, right? The car washes, sure. all that. But I know that you're adding a lot of really interesting yeah. Yeah. services. So in. I, and I would be remiss to say if I didn't point out that probably one of the biggest takeaways I got out of Biz Owners Ed was 
understanding how to look at your business and see what else you can do with it. And Tim, anybody who knows Tim knows he's a master of that. Yeah. He was on last um, week. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I mean, I remember when I met him, I mean, he was instantly, you should be doing this, 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 and this. Right. Like, oh, hold <laughs> that on. guy, hold he on sees revenue streams yeah. in everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the biggest things, and I know a lot of companies have done this, but one of our biggest profit centers, and really honestly, one of the biggest selling points for our customers, a lot, a lot of the reason why many of them use us is because they can have their vehicle fully serviced with us while they're out of town. And so our customers are traveling every single week. And the last thing they want to do on the weekend is go get an oil change, a state inspection, right. a car wash. So we're now doing that mobily. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll go to your house. We can do any type of wash service, anything from a car wash to a new car auto detail. We can actually come get your vehicle and bring it to our location and have it serviced. So we can do an oil change, tire rotation, state inspection, and you don't have to do anything. We'll just, wow. just set an appointment, tell us where to be and when to be there. So that's one of the things that, that we you do. Did. Yeah. And then one of the things we're looking to do is expand what we've piloted with a local auto dealer, which is we do vehicle pickup and delivery. So you buy a vehicle from this dealership and you have your 50,000 mile maintenance due. Mm-hmm. You don't have to drive up to the dealership, drop it off, get a loaner. We adapted our software so you can actually go to our site or call us. And it's white label, just like the dealership. Wow. So uh, this is when somebody's on a trip, they can drop their no, car with anytime. you? Anytime. Anytime. It's anytime. So Evan, you, you you get in your car today and the check engine light comes on and you call your dealership and they say, hey, Evan, what time do you want us to be at your house? They say, well, can you come tomorrow at nine? Sure. And it's our team that's doing all the tracking, bringing you the car. Wow. So you come and get the car yeah. from me. Gosh, that's yeah. so valuable. Yeah. And then you get a text message that says, hey, Evan, your vehicle's done when would you like us to bring it back? And you say, I tell you what, meet me at Chili's on twenty four ninety nine at seven o'clock tonight. I got dinner and they'll bring it to you. To the Chili's. Yeah, wherever you want to go. That's so great. So the biggest drag is having to go to a dealership. Yeah. You get told they don't have any loaners for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a whole big mess. Yeah. What are some of the companies that you look for to partner with? I mean, and I imagine it's, it's, it's a lot of, it, you're looking for comfort for people, sure. right? I mean, but are you doing anything that's really kind of crazy and out there, like just trying to put cool products in people's cars or, or is it mostly convenient stuff? Yeah, a little bit. The, the thing that we're looking for more than anything is we want to make sure that whatever, whatever we're partnering with or whatever we're putting in front of our customers, that we can be assured that they're going to have the same customer service culture that we do. Hmm. And so one of the ways that, and this is a Tim a Tim Shiner deal too, believe it or not. Tim Shiner special. Yeah, Tim Shiner special. One way we can add value to our customers is when they return, if we have some type of product or service that might be valuable to them, hmm. that they can be introduced to or get some kind of discount or have access to because they're a customer of Freedom Park. Okay. And that's a benefit we can bring to our customers that they're not going to get with any other parking service or any other Uber service or, you know, any, any other way they might go to or from the airport. Hmm. And it's a benefit for our service partner because they have access to a client base that they might not otherwise get to advertise to. It's a great point. I could see like putting flowers in the car. Yeah. It's like when you land, you take your spouse flowers. Flowers. We're working with, uh, before all this happened, you know, I was in had conversations with the great people over at the boardroom who was, yeah. who's been part of Biz mm-hmm. Owners Ed. Schultz. Um, Schultz. Schultz, yeah. You know, my customers are the kind of customers that would love to use his service. Hmm. So how can we, and they have the same service culture we do. So how can we 
partner, you know, in order to do that. Well, would the, that would just look like discounts or free haircut or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that, or just a, a Freedom Park special to have them have an opportunity to try the service out. And, you know, I don't have any hair anymore, but <laughs> if I was traveling, you know, most people, most people don't think about parking right. and they're not thinking it's going to be an experience. But if you told me I could drive my car directly to the gate, I could have it detailed and oil changed before I got back. And then when I showed up, it was going to be sitting on the curb. I just walked out and get in it. And then, oh, by the way, you have a free haircut at the boardroom or something like that. You know, that's a, that's a little special. That's a big deal. Let's touch on that for a minute because sure. I like how you said most people don't think about parking. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of the businesses that are, that are so incredible or especially in the service industry are ones where people aren't thinking about parking their car. But if yeah. you're able to deliver something that makes something they already have to do so much easier, right. that's a huge win. Yeah. So for the the companies out there that are trying to do things like that, what are some things that they can be thinking about when trying to make the process easier for their customers? I think that as human beings, we want to control as much as we can control. Mm. I mean, every one of us wants to be in control and if you can find ways to give control back to your customer in ways that they don't expect to have control, I think you've hit something. Hmm. So in air travel, you can't control if a flight's delayed, right? Right. You can't control if you get bumped from your seat. You can't control a lot of that. Right. But we were able to find a way where people can control their experience as they're going to the airport and coming back. Hmm. They can drive to where they want to go. They can get whatever they want done on another vehicle that they want done. So I would just say, man, look at look at whatever sphere you're in and say, where does my customer giving up control that he or she feels like she's got no choice? Hmm. And then say, can I change that? Right. Can I give them control back somewhere? Can I give them a better option? Yeah. It's great. So switch gears for a minute. Sure. You know, you were talking a little earlier about your kids. I know you're a family yeah. man. Yeah. But at Biz Ed this year, we talked a lot about don't ever make your family pay twice. Yeah. Meaning you already spend all this time working away from your family. Yep. When you come home, don't make them pay a second time by your head being still at the office. Yep. You know, I like to talk to the people that have been on this podcast and, and just, just business people in general about how do you make that switch? You know, sure. we had Andy Grande on last week and or week before, and, yeah. and she said that when she pulls in the driveway of her house, she envisions like a gear shifter yeah. and she puts her mind, you know, shifts her mind into a different gear. Yep. You've got so many things going on at the yeah. office every day and successes and failures. And how do you turn that off and be with your family? Yeah. I like what Annie said. She's great, by the way. She's fantastic. I really enjoyed having her in the class. She's really great. So first of all, I think it's really hard. Hmm. And I think that there's days I do it well and there's days that I don't. It's something I want to continue to get better at. But I'm, I'm blessed. I got a, an amazing wife. I've been married to almost 13 years. Like I wow. said, 11, Congratulations. 11, nine. Thank you. 11, nine and six. And so my house is busy when I get home. And so there's two things that I try to do. One, I'm a meticulous planner. I actually teach this to my team at, at work, but I don't believe there's this idea that I don't have enough time. Like here all the time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. The reality is we all have the same amount of time. Right. And I have 24 seven, seven days a week. The difference is priority. Right. And so we got to fit the priorities into whatever time we have. And so for me, I have to, I have to be proactive about it. And so I'm a meticulous planner. How do you, how do you plan? So I, I do two things. Every single Monday morning, my first two hours are blocked off. 
and I don't start by making a calendar. I start by making a priority list. Hmm. And I have five buckets, which are the areas that I'm responsible for in my life. So there's a couple for Freedom Park. There's my kids. There's my wife. I really just journal out everything that I need to be responsible for that week in each of those buckets. Hmm. And then I go to my calendar and everything gets a place on my calendar. And I feel like what that does for me is it frees me up in the sense that I don't have to worry about this thing with work when I'm with my family because this thing has a place on my calendar and I know it's going to get done. Right. So it I has can, a time. I can turn it off. Because I know that it's going to be done. And I do the same thing with my, my kids. So, you know, if I know that I have a responsibility or commitment to do something with one of my sons or my wife, it's on that calendar so that when I'm at work, I can be focused on what I'm doing at work and not have to worry about this thing. About that. Um, I remember Jeff said, he said, so, I'm not going to get the wording right, but he said something to the fact that when, like, when he's at Biz Owners Ed, that's the most important thing because hmm. that's what's going on. Right. Doesn't mean it's more important than you or your mom or anything like that, but- The intentionality of your time. Correct. So for me, I've been doing this for probably six, seven years and it was a game changer for me. And then the second thing I would say just to any dads out there, I had a guy tell me one time that there's this idea of called second shift. Hmm. And when you leave work, you're not really leaving work. You're just going to your second shift. And so I try to remind myself that I have another job that's more important than the job I'm leaving, hmm. which is my wife and kids. So I want to walk into the house it's great, knowing that this job's more important. Hmm. So as good as I want to be at Freedom Park, I really want to be better. You have to be better at home. I want to be better at home. Hmm. So I try. So there's bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. Talk right. to my, it's not talk perfect. To my, talk to my wife or kids, <laughs> and you'll get the truth. There's there's bad there's bad days. But the intentions there. Yeah. Are you a, a paper calendar guy or the, an electronic calendar? So my journal is paper. Okay. And then everything gets transferred to an electronic calendar. Got it. And it, that's interesting. So because my wife has tried to adapt this, but she's always been a paper calendar person. Okay. And I don't know how she does it because like things change. I got to be able to pull it up and. And change it. But somehow she's able to do she it. She does it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a, I'm an electronic calendar guy yeah. too. And I run out of room. Yeah. A regular paper calendar. Yep. So, you know, you said everything's blocked off. Do you uh, mean like every piece of time in your day is accounted for? Or is it mainly the big things that you're working on? No, for on? me, it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Okay. And, so you uh, have like your meals scheduled in there, everything, like everything. Everything. And again, when I talk to my team about this and try to push them to adapt, adapt something like this. Um, mm -hmm. I think initially it feels overwhelming that you're doing that. But for me, what I've found is really freedom on the back end mm. because I can genuinely, you're never wondering on, about your time. Right, I can focus on what I'm doing because I know this thing's coming next. And if, if that thing gets skipped because something else comes up, it mm -hmm. just gets moved and it just gets a new time. So for me, I, I, I want to redeem all the time that we've got available and use it wisely. Right. So at least for me, it's got to be, Structured. It's got to be structured and I got to see it. Do you do the same thing with, with goals? Are you a goal setter? Do you write out your goals? I do write out my goals. Yeah. I write out my goals. I'm not quite as meticulous about them as I am my calendar. The schedule. The schedule. The schedule is my <laughs> thing. Don't mess with my schedule. But yeah, I set goals really more short-term than even long-term. I mean, I have long-term goals that I look out at, but right. I try to work pretty meticulously. What am I trying to accomplish this week? What am I trying to accomplish in the next six months? What mm -hmm. does the next year look like? I think Tim would describe that as as the dots yeah. under the goal, if you've yep. seen his goal board. 
you know, with all this planning, I know Mondays you're accounted for, but do you have a morning routine, something that you do every day? Everybody always, everybody's talking about morning everybody's routines Everybody's talking about right morning now. routines. I know. Yeah. When I, so I remember sitting in Biz Owners Ed, I heard some of these guys' morning right. routines, and I thought, I did think to myself, man, I better get a better morning routine. Like, these, these guys are, <laughs> these really, guys are crazy. really successful, but yeah, they, they have this thing in common. Right. I think that's something I'm trying to get better at. There are two things that I do every single morning. And so Monday morning is blocked off for this planning, but every morning I come in, I give 20 minutes to it. 20 to 30 minutes because things shift and change. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what's my day is going to look like. Right. And then I'm a big journaler. Hmm. That's been really helpful for me. So I'll sit down and I'm either reading a good book. I'm pulling my Bible up and I'm spending 30, 45 minutes just journaling. And it allows me to kind of decompress whatever's going on in my own head. Spend Uh, some time with yourself. Yeah. That's great. You talked in biz ed about next year, you're going to have a book budget. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the books you're reading right now or ones that you think are important for people uh, to be reading? So I've read Jay's. Okay. Or, or I'm, re- I'm finishing Jay's. Great book. Uh, great book. So and, here's, here's, and he'll get on your case if you don't read it. Oh my gosh. I went, <laughs> I, got, I was blessed to get to go have a glass of wine with him at his barn and I had not finished it. And, and I, for people who don't know, this is Jay Rogers. Jay Rogers. He, he founded Biz Owners Ed. Has so, started and sold 23 or so businesses. Yeah, amazing, right? And so I'm at his barn all excited. And I knew before I went, I better finish everything in the book. And I didn't get a chance to. And I, I'm bringing, I brought up a couple things that apparently he addresses in some of the chapters that I hadn't finished yet. Uh-oh. And Jay, let me know. <laughs> finish the book. Right. But yeah, so I'm still finishing that. Tim Shiner's book I read, 50 Things They Didn't Teach You in Business in School. Business school. Mm-hmm. This is how I personally read. So I'm, I'm usually reading something has to do with business, my business. Uh, I'm reading something for pleasure, which for me is like history. Okay. Or so I read, I just finished a book called Just Mercy. Okay. Uh, There's a movie that just came out, but as always read the book, it's always better. And so I read a book, just finished a book called Just Mercy. And then I'm always reading something theological. Love it. So I'm reading a commentary on the book of Ephesians right now, which I teach in a a class. So Mm. that's kind of how I structure my reading. It's great. I like reading the idea of reading multiple things at once for different areas of your life. Yeah. I think that's really smart. What's something that, that you feel like people tend to misunderstand about you? Man, I kind of want to go ask like my closest friends and my wife <laughs> that question, like what they think <laughs> about me that I don't think is right. I guess this is actually, this has kind of come out a little bit with the whole COVID-19 situation. So I'm an extreme extrovert. Okay. Like really extreme extrovert. Yeah. Like I need to like, I would agree with that. Being around people really energizes me. So I'm the kind of guy that like has a Miller light in his hand. I'm at the front door waiting just to see who's walking by on their evening walk. So I can open real quick and And go talk to go talk to him. Right. And that's come out even more with everything that's going on. But I think what people don't always see is I have these moments where I want to be introverted. I like sitting and just reading and journaling. Mm. I would love to go up to my dad's got a place up in Decatur. Love to go up there and just sit and be out in the woods Mm. and nobody around. So I have my moments of. Well, I think, I think there's a common misconception about, you know, people like yourself that are, you know, entrepreneurs, operators of businesses going a million miles an hour between business and family. And the idea that, that you never stop. Yeah, but in reality, you're very structured with with your time, but also your time with yourself. I mean, yeah. it's very important for you to to get away, kind of have some meditative time to to yeah. recollect. Well, what does that do for you? Does it kind of just let you you know download everything, or do you just get away from the madness? Or why is that such an important 
Yeah, I think both those things happen. I think for anybody who's listening who is an extreme extrovert, they, they may agree with this. The one thing that, that can happen is you're going and going and going, and you tend to be around so many people, which tends to lead to you're doing a lot of things for other people. Hmm. And if you're not careful, at least for me, that can wear you out. You might even get a little, like I can even feel myself sometimes getting bitter about that. Hmm. And so being able to get away allows me to kind of process some of those things. Why am I feeling that way? And just kind of process process myself, yeah. I guess. And then it re-energizes me and I'm kind of ready to go right back out and work with whoever I need to work with or hmm. do whatever I need to do. That's great. Have you still been at your office through this coronavirus or have you been working from home? I have. I have, have yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the first two weeks, I tried the whole work from home thing. And it didn't go well. No. <laughs> um <laughs> No. And, and honestly, I think it could. I mean, my wife and my kids actually did a really good job of allowing dad, you know, he's got this time, he's got to go work. They actually did a really, really good job of it. But kind of back to that whole calendar and schedule thing, I can be a, hab- a creature of routine and habit. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was a little bit worried that if I didn't keep that routine, it'd be harder and harder to get back into it. And so like even even my key guys, we have a pretty good size office, so we're able to stay spaced out. But right. I've, I've even asked them, you know, a couple of days a week, even if you don't have to come to the office for a little bit, right? Just be around just for their own sake. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So I was talking with Bill Brown the other day, who's, who's on the board of biz owners ed. And he was saying that, you know, he's kind of been half at his office, half at home. And he mentioned that, you know, he feels like he's a disturbance in his own house. Sure. And so, you know, he's on the phone, he's having to make sure everybody's quiet and he's walking through the kitchen yeah. and having to quiet everybody down. And, and so people are kind of having to, you know, it's a huge accommodation actually yeah. having them there. Well, you you brought up that question earlier and that point about being a family guy. How do you how do you balance both of those? One thing I realized, and this wasn't their fault, but me being home so much, I set I started to set some expectations that weren't fair. So mm-hmm. it might be noon and dad's working, but I pop out to the office for thirty minutes to go shoot hoops with my son. Well, my nine year old son is going to assume that tomorrow dad's going to pop out at 1230. Do the same thing. Who's my son. And it's not, that's not his fault. And so in order to really be able to balance it and again, be present in either situation, I do better if I'm in my workspace Hmm. doing what I need to do. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I mean, I, my office is half a mile from where I live, but I have to have a separate location. Isn't it amazing how half a mile makes all the difference? Makes all, I mean, it's just a different building. Yeah. It's got to be some sort of separation. Yep. And I think, you know, a lot of people, I know Jay's the same way. Yeah. Jay lives 10 steps away from his office. I have learned how to go to my office and flip-flop, so. Right. <laughs> when nobody else is there. And I actually like that. That's not too bad. Yeah. Maybe you can keep that. I'm used to a suit and tie, but I like this. Nobody's there. I think I like the casual you have on right now. It, yeah, it was nice. I'm it not, works. I'm not to get used to and it. And it's still professional. Yeah. If you could give yourself some advice, you know, back in 2001 when you guys were first starting and, and you know, when you were when you were voted into this business, yeah. what would that be? Hmm. Maybe maybe a couple of things. I mean, oh, probably more than a lot. Probably more than a couple of things. Probably a lot. One, just shut up and listen. Hmm. I think when you're, when I was young and eager, I could have listened more. And I could have put myself in situations like biz owners ed to be around people worth listening to. Right. Like I wish I would have taken biz owners ed when I was 25 instead. So that would be one. And then the other, the other one maybe is this idea of redeem the time. You know, when I was 
21 years old, I, you know, you spend a lot of time doing things that just are not going to produce or aren't valuable. Right. Right. And I'm not talking about working all the time. Right. But I'm talking about just use, time wasters. Yeah. Using, using time, you know, instead of binging this show, read a book or stuff like that. I yeah. wish I would have done more of that back then. Okay. That's great. You, you talked about being in biz owners ed, you being an extreme extrovert. I think a lot of people struggle with getting around important people. Mm -hmm. How do I get around important people? How do I get around people that can, that can teach me things that I don't know, or that can propel me in my business and give me advice or, or just have kind of an osmosis situation. Yeah. Um, how did you get connected with biz ed? Sure. How do you get around these people? You know, are there systems that you have to, to connect with important people? Yeah. What's, what's kind of your networking process? Uh, number one, just ask, give somebody else yeah. the opportunity to say <laughs> no. Right. The afternoon drinking wine with Jay that I had a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I asked for that in my, in the speech that I gave at biz owners ed right in front of three, 350 people. Yeah. I said, this is what I want to do. What I want to do. And so, yeah, just ask. And I mean, that's, that's how I even got connected to biz owners was Jeff York customer of ours mm -hmm. uh, just stopped by the office one day and said, Hey, I want to meet the guys who run Freedom Park. And I had an hour long conversation. I didn't wait 24 hours before I called them back and said, Hey, would you have coffee? Like, mm -hmm. I just want to, I want to hear more. I want to learn more. And there's just a lot of good people out there, especially in biz owners ed. You know, I've spent a ton of time with Tim. I've met with Bill. I met with Dave. I mean, there really isn't many that I didn't meet with. And so give people opportunity to say no. And, you know, especially in biz owners ed, there's just so many good people willing to say yes. Yeah. Um, when you get around the right people. You get around the right people, just ask. So I want to ask you an interesting question. There's this concept of, you know, get as, get as many mentors as you can. Get around as many people as you can. And I kind of have a theory that sometimes you can have too many mentors. There can be too many people giving you advice and it actually kind of clouds judgment or, you know, you're pulled in a million different directions. Yep. Do you think that you can get into a situation where you're actually taking advice from too many people? Sure. And if you're an extreme extrovert, you're bent towards maybe doing that. Doing that. Right? Absolutely. Um, so there's this biblical principle called the one, the three, the 12. And wherever you line up, it's a good principle to just consider. And so really what it comes down to is Jesus had one disciple that was like his brother. He had three that was his inner circle. And then he had 12 that he spent his time in life with. Hmm. And I think it's a really good principle for friendships. I think it's a good principle for mentors. So like even, so in, even in biz owners ed, Tim Shiner is the guy that I've spent most time with, but I've also met with a number of the other guys. Mm -hmm. And then even beyond that, I've stayed in contact with the people in our group. But yeah, so I think it's a good way to look mm. at it is the one, the three, and the 12. I try to do that as best I can. Mm. That probably, I mean, in your personal life. Yeah. Same way. Yeah. So you're not going to share the same stuff you might with a 12 that you would with a one, but mm -hmm. probably don't want to share the same stuff with 12 people. Right. So great. I love that. Give us like the 10-year the vision for Freedom Park. The 10-year vision for Freedom Park. So I think a couple of things. One for me personally, I'm really wanting to find and start looking for kind of the next crop, right? So I'm still young, but I've been in the business for 20 years hmm. and I want to know who the next guy or gal or a couple guys or gals are going to be. Hmm. So the next 10 years, I see at least myself doing a whole lot more coaching, mentoring, which I enjoy. So I would say that for me personally, for the company itself, I think that there are two tracks. So I think that there's a number of other airports and other services that we can continue to be operators in and go, go operate in. 
but I'd also like to get, I also think we have an opportunity. I think one thing that distinguishes us is some of our software and logistics and backend things that we've built to allow us to do what we do. Mm. Nobody else is really doing that. Right. And so in areas or airports or cities or scenarios where we don't necessarily want to operate, I like us to find a way to leverage that and maybe make that available, sell that to other operators. Interesting. Uh, okay. So I want to be a provider and and an operator and an operator. Yeah, it's re- I love that. Yeah. It's really smart. Okay, that's great. So tell everybody how they can get involved with your company. How yeah. can people either find you, find your business? How do people find everything that you're doing? Sure. So, I mean, the easiest way where you're going to get the most information is the website. So okay. www.freedomparkdfw.com. Okay. That's going to tell you everything that we do. You can sign up for the service on there. You can contact us. Anything you need to know is going to be on there. I mean, you can obviously go to Facebook and find us on there. Twitter, we're on Twitter. We're just starting to do some of that social media stuff. It's great. I'm not, I'm not as good at it, but we've hired some people through Biz Owners Ed. So there's, there's a lesson we learned through Biz Owners Ed. So we're getting more active on that and LinkedIn. Uh, you can call us at 972-252-2500 if you got any questions. But yeah, I would encourage you to go check out the website. And, and I think you'll, you'll see it and you realize that the service we're providing is uniquely different than anything else that's out I, there. I agree 100%. 100%. Thanks. Well, John, listen, I can't thank you enough for, for chatting with us today. I, me. you know, it. we, like I said, we heard you at biz ed this year, but I definitely wanted to sit down more yeah. one-on-one and, and kind of dive deeper. So thank you so much for the time. I think everything you guys have going on is fantastic and uh, excited to have you back soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. It. Thank you. All right. This is the Biz Owners Ed podcast. Connect with us at bizownersed.com. Rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss out on every value packed episode.